Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark. That's in the New Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Mark. <laughs> I do that for my sons. I do that, do that at home, and he, he, that's one of those numbers. He just, there's Dad trying to be funny again. And uh, so that's why I do that. I know it bothers him greatly, so I just do it anyway. You have to live old enough to be a problem to your children. I want to read for you our text. We read it earlier, uh, chapter 13, verses 32 and following. Uh, as I read it, you'll notice several things. Number one, you'll notice that Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's describing the fact that he's going to come back again. Now, I know it says that no man knows the day they are, no, not the Son of Man, but I think that's because this passage, and, and certainly in Mark and Mark 13, Jesus is emphasizing his manhood. And as Jesus the man, he would not necessarily know that, but as Jesus God, he would know that. And so this isn't saying that Jesus does not know when he's coming back. It's saying in his humanity, he does not know when he's coming back. No man does. But he is coming back. And because of that, he gives us several things in this passage that we're to do that are characteristic of principles that will help us uh, be protected in our families and in the, our affairs of life and in the things we do. And uh, when Jesus is talking here about uh, his, his coming and the word watch, and we'll get to that, uh, he's not emphasizing here, the Lord is coming, you better look out. That's not the emphasis here. The emphasis is, the Lord is coming, we haven't much time. That's the emphasis. And so uh, Jesus is trying to say to them that, you need to be awake, you need to be watching, because you don't have much time. Now, I know that this was, this was said nearly 2,000 years ago, but in the scope of the world, that's not a great deal of time, and certainly today, we have less time. And so, with that in mind, let's read this passage. But of the day and the hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto you all, watch. Now, this word watch is used four times by our Lord in these closing six verses of Mark 13. Of course, all words in the Bible are important. Uh, we all believe that. We believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. But when Christ uses the same word four times in just six verses, He's emphasizing something important. He's asking us then to stop and pause for a moment and, and, and look uh, and be uh, concerned about uh, what it is that he's trying to say to us. Uh, it's of great importance, something needful, something of vital significance. It would be proper then for us, as uh, we ought to, to stop, think about, consider what Christ is trying to say to us, for I believe uh, with all my heart it will impact the way we live for Christ. It's important for us to stop. Now in these... Uh, 
these six verses, I believe there are three clear principles that are given to us in the, uh, this passage, and we want to look at those in just a moment. But let me stop just to say this. The Bible here is encouraging us to watch. And I think it's encouraging us not so much to watch out of fear of something that's going to happen, although I do believe we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But I think he's saying to us, watch, because there's not much time left for you to do the things necessary before I come. What a terrible thing for God to come and find us. Instead of serving him and working and doing those things that are right to do, he finds us asleep spiritually. He finds us not doing what we need to be doing. And because the time is short, we need to be watching. And so certainly there's that application to us. But let me suggest to you, there's someone else, I think, that we leave out of this often, that we forget about, that also knows that there's a short time. In fact, if, if you were to turn over to the book of Revelation, you don't have to turn there, but in chapter 12 and verse 12, the Bible says this. Now, I know that this passage contextually is talking about the tribulation period and that during this time, the, the, the devil knows that there's not much time left, but I think the application can be made. Listen to what it says. The devil has come down having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. His time's short. Soon, uh, at the end of the tribulation period, there's going to be a judgment. God's going to cast him into the lake of fire, and uh, then for a thousand years he'll be bound, be loose for a short time, and then bound finally forever. We know that that is talking contextually about that, but I think the application can be made, certainly the point can be made that the devil also knows that he has a short time because Christ is coming back again. And he's aware of the fact that when Jesus comes back, all the things here stop for us. We're gathered together, we go home, we're with the Lord. And in that condition, the devil can not touches. He can't lay a hand on us. He can't even blow dust our way. He's bound at that point no longer to be our enemy. We have then freedom from Satan, freedom from sin at home with Christ. But while we're here, he understands the fact that he has a job to do. And let me suggest to you, he is a master at what he does. In fact, the Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I heard a man preach this one time. He says, really, the devil is powerless against us. He preached that from this verse. He said, because he says he's a roaring lion, and everybody knows a roaring lion is one that's too old to fight, so he's just got no teeth in his head. He just, uh, just uh, is, is, is a powerless devil. I said, then why is he gumming me to death so bad? The fact of the matter is, no, a roaring lion is one that wants to take you out. And if you've never been in the wild and heard a roaring lion, this would not make as much sense. I was there, had that happen, and it wasn't a happy experience. We pulled up next to a lion sitting in a crouched position, about an 850-pound male, the Maasai Mara in Africa. 
The driver was a little uh, African man who was fidgety, scared of his own shadow. Well, this lion just sat there like a dope, and we were about, from me to the preacher, from him, in a van, one of those you could stand up in and, and this much as you as, as out of it. You stand in your seat, and then you can, get, you can get a clear picture of those animals. Well, he was just sitting there, not doing a thing. So I went over there, and I beat on the top of the van, tried to get him to wake up. The driver goes, about tore my head off. And he said, he said, don't do that. I said, why? He said, a male lion can leap 30 feet from a sitting position. I don't know if that's true or not, but he said it, and it certainly made an effect on me. <laughs> so we pulled back over. We pulled back over, and that, that dumb lion still wouldn't do anything. And I had my camera, you know, focused right on his head, one of those lenses. <laughs> so I went, and his ears went, and his fur went, and his eyes went, and he growled. And I almost went. <laughs> it scared the fire out of me. I've never heard anything like that in my life. It was, I finally realized at that point that I'm just another part of the food chain there. <laughs> and if he had his choice of those in the van, So that, that has nothing to do with what we're going to preach, but it, isn't that a great story? <clears throat> no, it does. The, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeing whom he may devour. No, no just, just a few things about him, because it, it bears on what we're going to say. Satan is highly organized. Number two... He is a strategic planner. He has a strategy. He doesn't just kind of get up in the morning and say, well, what shall I do today? Satan is strategic. He's a strategic planner. He has an incredible array of weaponry. And certainly enough helpers to carry it out, principalities, powers. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Generals, captains, armies. He's got that. He is absolutely resolved and resolute in his goal. He's set like a flint. He'll not be deterred. He doesn't fight fair. There are no rules with him except his rules. And he never, never, listen to this, he never, 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 never wastes time. Never. That's the guy we're fighting against. Now he knows that God has just told us in this chapter, through the words of Christ, that he's coming back, that we're to be diligent, that we're to be doing some things, that we're to be careful. And in knowing that, then he is going to focus 
on us. Let me stop to say the devil's not nearly as concerned about the backslidden Christian. His focus isn't going to be on that person. He's going to focus on us, on those of us who are trying to live for him. And knowing that God has really laid down a standard for us in this passage, then his attack is his attack and his and his his modus operandi, if I may use that phrase, his MO is ruin believers. He's not content just to bother you. He's not content just to call you, cause you difficulty. He will not be content until he destroys you. That's his job. And the place, and this is what I wanted to get to, the place where this attack is most prevalent and sure is on the family. No doubt about it. I don't think that's arguable, arguable a bit. Every pastor that I know would tell you this. The devil wants to ruin Christian families. He wants to ruin marital relationships. He wants to cause dads to fall away and get involved in things they should not be getting involved in. He wants women uh, who are married to become dissatisfied and, uh, and go away from their husband and seek that satisfaction in the arms of another. He wants children to rebel and not be obedient. He wants them to live away from the protective shield God's established under the headship of a father and a mother. He wants your family wrecked, and he won't be happy until it happens, and he's after children, he's after adults, he's after teenagers, he's after grandmas, he's after grandpas, he's after grandbabies, he doesn't care. If you're a Christian, you're trying to do anything for God, he wants to ruin your life, period. That's what he wants to do. The attack's on. So what are we going to do? Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad you have Christ? Amen? Well, here's what we do. There's just three things. Number one, in our text, verses 32 and 33, Christ says this, But of the day and the hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, of, son but the Father. Take heed, underline these, these three words, watch and pray, all God's people say. How do we do that? How do we, how do we maintain the right kind of righteousness? How do we as dads maintain the kind of integrity we're to have? How do we as moms uh, be supportive of our children as well as of our husband? How do we do all the things incumbent upon us in a family unit uh, to, uh, to uh, uh, stand against the wiles of the devil, to uh, stave off his power? How do we do that? Uh, we just flex our muscles? No, we watch and we pray. Now the word watch in this text, there are two different Greek words used here for the word watch. They mean two different things. Number one means to set a vigil. To set a vigil. The second one means to be alert to danger. To be alert to danger. So when he says watch, he's talking about that resolve that we make to be alert to spiritual danger that can ruin my family and my life. 
and to set a vigil, stand firmly planted, and be a sentinel, and put up the stop sign, and say, you can't come any farther, and on this side, we're saying to our children, don't go this way. We're saying to our family, we must not proceed any farther, and we're standing the vigil. We're sentinels for God. We're squarely planted. We're watching, all God's people say. But that's not enough. Jesus didn't say, just say, watch. He said, watch, and he coupled it with this, pray. Because I firmly believe that's where the power comes from. Praying. Praying. Watch and pray. To be vigilant for the faith is important. To sit passively by and do nothing is foolish. But to watch without praying is disaster. Because if you're only watching, I can tell you, you're doing it in your strength. But if you're watching and praying, you're doing it in God's strength. And we must have God. You know why? He created the devil in the first place. The devil sinned against him and fell because of pride. He's fought against God ever since. But let me suggest to you, Satan isn't as powerful as God. He's a created being. God is all-powerful. And that's the one we go to. That's where the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of what? Need. Is there a need? The devil want our kids? The devil want our families? Does the devil want our children? Does the devil want our wives? Does the devil want our husbands? Absolutely. And his strategy is strong. And he won't quit until he gets what he wants. And the only way to stop him is, isn't for us to stand up and make a line and say, we're, being, we're going to just do what's right. But to stand up, make a line, and say, we're going to do what's right in the power of God. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. All God's people say. Watch and pray. But then there are those that pray, and, and in a facetious way almost, but never watch. There's the opposite. It's like the guy that says, has, has been a drunk all his life. He's a, he's a drunkard. And he gets up, falls down. He gets up, falls down. He, he, he goes a little ways, doing okay. So now he's finally looking like he's about got it together, but he needs a place to live, an apartment. So he prays. He's been praying, Lord, keep me from drink. Lord, keep me from drink. Then he rents the apartment above a bar. Now, is there something wrong with that? Anybody here sees a, that as problematic? Anybody besides me? Well, that prayer won't do a bit of good because he's not watching. He's got to set a vigil. Make no provision for the flesh. Set a vigil. Take a stand. Guard against spiritual ruin. Watch and pray. So the first thing he tells us to do is we're to watch and pray. There's a second thing he tells us. Look at verses 34 through 36. 
So we watch and pray, verse 34 through 36, where the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his what? Work. Commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or midnight or at the cock crowing in the morning. So we're to watch and pray. Number two, we're to watch and work. We're to watch and work. Principle number two. You want to be protected, number one, watch and pray. If you want to be protected, number two, watch and work. Now, since our word means to set a vigil, since our word means to be one who is a sentinel on guard, uh, since our word means that, it means to do that as you are working. It's a wonderful passage in Ephesians that talks about we work out and Christ works in. It's at the same time. You know, we can't work without Him working here. So as we're working out, there are things for us to do. Christ is working inside of us. Boy, that's a twofold power. Amen? That's good stuff. Are you as excited about that as I am? Watch and work. We have a stewardship. The Bible tells us that. He said, For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants, stewards, and every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. You have a stewardship. Let me pause here and say, Dads, you've been entrusted with an incredible stewardship. The most important stewardship you have is not your job. It's not the money you make. It's not the money you put in the plate. It's not the talent you have. It's your family. I've been entrusted with the same thing. My family. But the Bible indicates here that we've been entrusted with a stewardship. That's our work. We're to watch, set a vigil, guard against spiritual danger. We're to do it working for God. And the work we do is we use God's Word and use the application of the Word of God to teach those that are given to us under our authority the things that will make them stand strong in the difficulties of life. I am to protect my wife. Certainly I should protect her from an attack physically. I'll give you two cents for a man that wouldn't do that. But more importantly than that, I'm to protect her from spiritual attack. I can't do that as a man if I'm not living for God. I can't do that as a man if I'm not working out in my life godly principles. I can't do that as a man if I'm looking at material I ought not look at. I can't do that as a man if I'm, my eyes are wandering somewhere they do not belong. I cannot do that as a man if I don't get open this book every day I can and say, God, meet with me. I can't do that. We need to watch. We need to work. Wives the same way. Mamas the same way. We love our grandbabies. If I would have known they were so much fun, I would have had them first. <laughs> they are a joy to me. I'm, I'm not as critical of my grandbabies or anxious to see them punished. I, 
I'm the go-to guy to get off the hook. I am. My wife will, conf- will tell you that. When you've got a two-year-old who comes up and says, Papa, oh, Papa, Mama, mind to give me cookies. Just a minute. How many you want? (laughs) My goose is cooked. (laughs) But you know, when I look at that little two-year-old, the devil wants her. Sometimes I fear more then I want to protect her. And that scares me. He wants to take those babies and grow them up with no concern for God, only concerned for things, only concerned about themselves, without any love for the Lord. You follow that pattern in the nation of Israel, one generation removed. They didn't know God. It wasn't instilled in them over and over and over again. So we have this work to do. It's imperative we do it. We need to watch. We need to pray. We need to watch. And we need to work. And then lastly, last principle of protection, number three. Look at verse 37, says this, and what I say unto you, I say unto you all, watch. If I could say it in the manner in which I think Jesus was saying it, he was saying it this way, and what I say unto you all, I say unto what I say, I say unto you all, watch! 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 It's a statement of earnestness. I think the third principle here is watch with earnest. Watch with earnest. What I say unto you all, I say, watch. Christ is emphatic here. He speaks with urgency, a concern. He's stating it emphatically. He's wanting us to see the importance and necessity of it. Watch, watch, watch. I think that's just exactly what Christ wants. And if we could reflect it in our own language, I believe he'd want us to say, by the grace of God, I will not, I will not allow Satan to get my kids, my wife, my grandbabies. I will not. It's not going to happen. This is not being presumptuous or prideful or arrogant, but it's basing your, basing your sole authority on the Scripture. It's taking God at His word. It's establishing in your heart principles to live by. Saying, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. And then with all the strength of Christ on your side, say, I'm not going to allow him to get his hands on my kids. I'm not going to do it. It's being earnest about it. It's saying, I'll be vigilant. I'll set a vigil in my heart. I'll set a vigil in my home. I'll set a vigil in my harmony with those I love. Heart, home, harmony. I'll be vigilant in those areas. You know, I don't think God's going to ask you how much money you earn. 
I don't know that he's going to ask you how important you were, what position you held, what rank you achieved. But I do think he's going to say, where's your wife? Where are your kids? Won't it be wonderful someday as God tarries and we live long enough and you all become grandparents too? Won't it be wonderful when Jesus comes and meets you and you're in heaven with him, he looks down and he says, hey, isn't that your youngest over there? Yes, sir, it is. Look at those babies, why those are her children. Isn't that your boy over there? Yes, it is. Well, who are all those kids with him? Those are his children. There's only two things that will last forever. The Word of God and the souls of men. Nothing else much matters after that. Watch and pray. Watch and work. Watch with earnest. Because the devil is come down having great wrath because he knows that he has but a short time.